You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Look who's back from vacation again. Gets <laughs> on vacation all the time, Joel. I don't even have that in my contract. How does he? Know? I don't have it in my. I was about to ask you. I, I know. He's gone for six weeks one time, and he comes back, uh, and he's weeks. gone for three weeks another time, and then he comes back. And this was just, only four days. I don't know. I feel I, like I haven't seen you since like New Year's. Thank you. Thank you. I, I agree. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, this is Susan Simmons, one of your hosts, and Tom's here today. It doesn't right. need to be here next week. You never know. That's right. But Joel, Joel and I are usually here. Yeah. What's the uh, retired life like? <laughs> um, it's, well, it's getting there. It's starting to get good. <laughs> you got a long way to go, my, my little yeah. friend, my yeah. child here. You're just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I will never retire. I'm only 33 years away, but who's, who's counting? <laughs> I'm, I'm at least 33 years away if I live that long. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and, and I get to start... Because cancer hasn't slowed you down a oh, bit. Hell no. So. Hell no. <laughs> no, somebody asked me the other day how many days I'd actually taken off. And I said, well, I work seven days. And I think I was off a total of four days since December. Yeah, probably. And, and that was just because I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Chemo tends to do it to you. <laughs> the doctors told her, make sure you're not alone when you get home. And so she just booked her whole day. That's she's right. like, this counts. I did. She's like, she's like cool. Yeah. I'll see people then. I had clients yeah, all day. And doctor didn't say who had to be there. Right. My surgeon goes, that's not what I meant. I said, be more specific. Be more clear. Like, it was honestly. people. And some were paramedics. I thought that was pretty good choice on my part. That's exactly. a great idea. <laughs> and this week I get to start glowing in the dark. We start radiation mm. on Thursday. Mm. Yeah. So I figure by next week, are we sure this equipment won't have a reaction to me glowing in the dark? I don't know if we won't have a reaction to you. But... Yeah, I might want to come in here and hazmat suits. <laughs> Haven't you seen any Marvel movie? Like, we want right, exactly. Well, we true. have special powers. That's true. It's every day, Monday through Friday, till June 15th. That's So I'm figuring at some point, I, you know, between the chemo in and the radiation... I should have some kind of superpowers. You should. Yeah. Yeah. Be able to turn the light off and yeah, still be able to see. I look, like, look like those purple and green lights. That's what I look like. You look like his dashboard. That's right. <laughs> Multicolored. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. So we'll we'll see what exciting thing they have now, and then we go on with the rest of it till November, end of November, early December. Wow. Still wow. not eating. I ate a. It tricked me. I had a oh, half a baked potato I, and went, this was good. I saw that. Mm. Tried that last night. No. Everything tastes gross again, except Cane's Lemonade. Uh, there's an ad for Cane's Lemonade. <laughs> Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Nope. Still not good. No. Cane's Lemonade. Yeah. So hmm. right now I'm living on lemonade and applesauce again. I guess chemo is designed to kill everything. And so it does. Yeah. Killed your taste buds. Yeah. Well, it's not, I wish it would have killed it. I wish it was no taste, but it's the best way I can describe it was something that you crave. Oh, Italian or ice Mexican. Cream. Mexican. And you're hungry 
and it smells great. And the minute it hits your tongue, it tastes rotten. No, thanks. I said, I, we, can right. solve, yeah. we can solve the prison population problem. I'm telling you, I don't care if you're a sociopath, psychopath. <laughs> there's nobody who would reoffend if you could make them have this taste when they're in prison. No way. There you go. I, I'll clear we'll them all out. We've, we've solved the crime issue. Now we just got to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. And then hmm. we'll, the world will be a better place and <laughs> Susan needs to get credit for something for going through this. But yeah, it's, it's, and I can drink water finally. So I'm back drinking. That's good. Yeah. Which is good. Because you kind of need yeah. water. And we're fixing it at 120 but, degrees. Yeah, especially as the heat's <laughs> ramping up. Yep. But the wigs yeah. are permanent. They're staying. I'm cool. not going back to the other stuff. Nope. Sorry. This is it. Couldn't even tell. So that's what everybody tells Couldn't me. Couldn't even tell. And I, if, looks you, good, if, huh? if you hadn't told me that you had cancer, I would not have even known. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I was always this crazy. <laughs> and there's a that's there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so we have a really interesting guest. I'm thinking is going to be on Zoom with us today, and I'm trying to figure right. out time zones in New Zealand. Me and... too, Tom. I came in Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for dressing up, Joel. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I love being on podcast, but in New Zealand right now, it's four fifteen. I am. Oh, you would, yeah, I we wouldn't have gotten you. No, you wouldn't have no. got me. No, like, in, maybe. I don't know. I'm I've, up. I've done it before. I'm up at 4.15. <laughs> My time, which would have been what time? Your time. We could have 4.15, that would have been midnight. Are you a late? Not really. Oh, you're no, not one no. of these. I, I, like, I, like, I like my go to sleep. Like I fall asleep on the couch at about 9, 9.30. And, and how old are you? 36. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm up at 5.30 normally. But here's the scary part. I could have given birth to you. You could have. <laughs> my oldest is 35. Oh, there you go. Oh, my God. Y'all are killing me here. That's the kind of stuff that's going to put me in my grave. <laughs> She's well. Tom. I'm younger than you, and I got a daughter that's older than him. Oh, <laughs> that makes started, me feel better. See, you started early. That I'm makes, good. That I was just a baby me, when I had her. That <laughs> makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, it's when I have them now, and I they could be my grandchildren. Yeah. Uh -oh. And I go, yeah, Tom's gonna have to see <laughs> that, you. That's I, right. I, I pass them all off to Tom. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a 16 year old granddaughter. Oh, that wow. does make me feel better. <laughs> See, Joel. I'm here to brighten your day. <laughs> See, no, I'm not that old. No, no. Uh, not at all. Uh-uh. No. I mean, they, they always say you're only as old as you feel. So. And some know. days it's 100 because, yeah. uh, again, it's like herding cats with you cops. Like, I, I could yes. teach kindergarten. Mm. The only difference is I only get you one at a time usually, except in trainings. And they do push their luck. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's like herding cats. Herding cats, and they don't respond at all. No. Oh, yeah. There's it's, no feedback. It's, it's crazy, like, isn't it? You, you take that, you know, the, the things that we learn as law enforcement, and you learn how to read people in that, and you just explode it. You're like, <laughs> okay, i got to get really good at reading these guys. Yeah. Well, I have a red man stick in my office. <laughs> and in the office here, I have a wooden red man stick, solid wood, mm. that Phoenix gave me. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And I just tell them I'm too old to put hands on now. So you don't do what I tell you. I just beat you with this. There you go. You should <laughs> just get a taser. Well. It'd be even easier. Yeah. Actually, I had somebody challenge me on that, and I did pull out. It was It's a Kimber OC spray gun. But oh, it's yes. orange. And yes. it's, you can double tap. Oh, nice. She, That's crazy. 220-something feet per second. 
So it's a water cannon as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nine millimeter blasting cap on each of the cartridges. Okay. Note to self. Don't yeah. mess with you. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, so if this didn't scare you, I said, I can go to the big gun closet. And he was like, no, we're good. <laughs> so tell us about our guest, Tom. Well, I don't know a lot about you. Perfect. Um, you had actually reached he out. He can make it up as he goes and along. <laughs> To us, yeah. um, Joelle nice. gave your contact information to my wife, Tracy, who... You're holding out on me, Joelle. <laughs> Joelle was like, hey, I think this guy might be fun to have on the podcast. What the yeah. heck? I'm the last one to know anything. What so, do I know? So Tracy tracked you down, <laughs> yeah. um, started conversing with you. Um, and I don't know why, but like when I saw your picture... Um, I guess it may have been on Facebook or something. Probably. Um, I was like... Man, this guy looks familiar. And then your name, Chris Chandler Yates. I know, I know somebody with a Chandler Yates name. And, and is I was it like, hyphenated? Yeah, it's hyphenated. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so my I was mom like, and dad. I was like, wow. I wonder if this is somebody I met because you just look so familiar. But but then I saw that you're from New Zealand, and I was like, well, chances are I haven't met you. And then I learned a little bit more that you're from California originally. Yeah. Got over to New Zealand and stayed there. And then I was like, well, then probably never met you. But probably not, yeah. considering I left the U.S. when I was 13. Yeah, so. right. No, but I do. Get... Unless you came here and it got in trouble in Tempe at 13, <laughs> no, and no, Tom never, would have met you. I've never been to Tempe. Okay. Um, I've been to Phoenix before, up like northern Phoenix, where I'm staying at the moment, up near like Campo Bella, about mm -hmm. there before, like six years ago. But no, no, yeah. I haven't. But I do get that I look like the Property Brothers a lot. You do. <laughs> I, get, I, I can see that. I yeah, that's true. No, you said my, that. My yeah. uncle is Kyle Chandler. So my mom's youngest brother is Kyle Chandler, who's the coach in Friday Night Lights. He's been in King Kong oh, and that. So yeah. you might have seen him. And I kind of have been told I look similar-ish to him. So mm -hmm. uh, I just have one Wait, of those Friday faces. Friday Night yeah. Lights. Did we have somebody else connected to that? Not that I'm who was a TV it? show. Yeah, but who was it? That was in the background of something. Oh, that was no, that was what was that, that was one? on Tulsa Kings. Oh, that's what. Yeah, it was. that was. Yeah. That was oh Paul. well, my bad. <laughs> that was the my same. Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar. Given I've know. never watched it's, either it's, one. It's, 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 it's like it's like saying, oh yeah, do you know that cop? He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he works. He's like, hey, he, I know a Phoenix yeah. cop. Do you know yeah, him? Yeah, do you know him? Yeah, yeah. I, I get yeah. that. I, I, you know, I know this New Zealand cop. I'm like, there's three thousand New Zealand cops. Like, right. okay, you but can, you should yeah. know them all. <laughs> you should. You should. Even the ones like you know. Give me the a other week. Other side of the country. Yeah. Give me a week. I'll come over. I'll know them all. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I'll cover it. I love it. I love it. But you know, you have an interesting story of how you ended up in New Zealand because yeah. this is a little bit different than most people, I would say. Yeah, definitely. So I, at 13, my parents decided, well, 12, my parents kind of started to play with the idea of taking my little brother and I and going and sailing the world. Nice. Yeah. Can't so, say I ever had my parents offer to do right. that. No, and my parents always wanted to do it once we went off to college. Uh, but then my mom was, uh, she was a very successful chiropractor in um, Redding, California. And so she was going overseas, like going on liveaboard dive trips. She's had, she did underwater photography as a hobby, had it in National, Ge National Geographics and that as well. And she was seeing how fast the world was changing. Mm -hmm. And I was becoming a teenager. Uh, and so and she needed to confine him on a boat. Him on a boat. <laughs> it's easy to dispose of. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Either I keep him secluded or I dump him overboard. Yeah. Nobody yeah. will ever look for him. Exactly. Uh, I wasn't that. Do you have siblings? I have a little brother, yeah. So I have a little brother who's 
two years younger than me. So he was uh, well, on about, this. Yeah, about three years younger than me. Uh, and he was, yeah, so he was, he wasn't too, he wasn't doing too bad, but I was starting to hang around with some of the wrong people. And I wasn't a bad kid. I wouldn't say I was a bad kid, but yeah. So my parents kind of went, why don't we take him now? Like, yeah. we, well, the real uh, yeah, like investment and all that was doing really well. And my mom's business as well. She was kind of getting a bit burned out on the sure. business after doing it for 20 years. Uh, and so she was like, let's go. And so my parents found a boat in the Caribbean. And, and, and how yeah. big a boat? Yeah. So a luxury cruise liner. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, you know, it was a 12 foot. No, it was, it was a 40 foot by 24 feet wide catamaran. Uh -huh. So it was like a studio apartment. We had four queen size beds on board. You know, we turned one of them into a workshop. It was, it was, a, had a decent amount of room. You got to know my parents extremely well. But, my children about a one might not wall. have survived. Yeah, that's not quite enough space. Let's the dinghy would have had to have been there to put them. On. Yeah. So we, um, I mean, I grew up. We lived near Lake Shasta, um, which is the largest um, man-made lake in North America. Wow. Uh, and we had a houseboat on it, and 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 that. Uh, so being on water and outdoors, we used to ski all the time. Every winter, we'd be out uh, wakeboarding. We had a wakeboard boat, and so we. It was just another adventure. So when my parents took us down <laughs> actually, there. Actually, that's where trial runs. <laughs> trial runs yeah. Well, then my parents actually took my little brother and I to the Caribbean and went, um, we're thinking about moving you guys onto this boat. What do you guys think? And I was like, in my mind at 12, I was like, no school? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but then we did homeschool the whole time, which actually wasn't too bad. But yeah, no. Nah, Your mother is earning all kind of brownie points here yeah. with me. Yeah. Wow. So, no, nah, so yeah, I mean. She's a strong woman. <laughs> by the time we got to New Zealand, just before I turned 18, uh, I was about 17 and a half when we got to New Zealand. I had done over 50,000 open ocean sea miles. I wow. had I'd done over 500 scuba dives. I mean, yeah, I, I dove wind jammer, like old boats that were sunk and mm -hmm. um, Bonaire. Yeah, I've been done really stupid stuff as well <laughs> and with that diving that I won't announce on public. But yeah, it's, um yeah, so it was an experience that really set me up for when I did end up deciding to go into law enforcement. It was some good life experience, especially sure. in New Zealand with Pacific Islanders and yeah. how to interact and deal with them because I lived with them for, I mean, we spent five years on the boat. Wow. So wow, had you ever crazy. thought about law enforcement as no. a kid? No, okay. no, no, okay. no. <laughs> and I say this all the time because I was never one of those kids that was like, I want to do law enforcement. You know, you have a lot of law enforcement. They're like, yeah, from a young age, it's sure. like, that's what I want to do. Now, I when I was really young, I actually wanted to become an Air Force pilot. Mm -hmm. And then we went on the boat, kind of lost track of that. And then I also got over six foot tall, uh, which in an F-16 cockpit which is what i want to fly it's kind of tough your knees kind of get ripped off if you eject over and you're sure. over, yeah. over much over six foot so as as much as i've been told uh and so yeah no i had no desire to do it uh and i was actually going to do my um, i was doing my skipper's captain's license captain ron yeah, captain ron pretty much i've been i've been i've been i probably actually used to sail that way um but yeah no so when i met my now wife i was actually doing my doing my captain's license uh, to go work and deliver boats and mm -hmm. work on super yachts and that. And then I met her and I was like, well, I can't go run around the world and also be with her. And so we ended up 
I actually, her brother, so my brother-in-law was like, we should join the police together and kind of dropped that idea. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Over like, a beer. Let's yeah, just it pretty much was. It was over a beer, at, you know, with his girlfriend who was there. Like all of us were there. My wife's sister was there. We we're all just kind of having having beers pretty much. I think we might have been drinking RTDs at the time. So maybe it was That explains the explains so, yeah. yeah, that's it. This is why you shouldn't drink. Shouldn't drink. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. And so he was like, we should do that. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe he's like, we could be partners. It could be like bad boys. And SWAT. Oh yeah, mm. absolutely. I, went, of course. I mean, my my every uncle. Every agency is like that. Yeah, everything's like course. SWAT and bad boys. You absolutely. know, you get to drive a Porsche and you know you chase people and just you know do whatever. See, in my but, day, it was Miami Vice, and you yeah. got to live on a boat and drive a fancy car yeah. and have a pet alligator. And, yeah, yeah, right. all of that stuff. You know, sure. And uh, yeah, so so he kind of mentioned that, and I was like, mm, maybe I don't know. I'll look into it. What did because, they pay? Yeah, it was it was at, at how old was I? Twenty. Two twenty, I think it was about 22, 23. I was like, yeah, what do they pay? You know, and how secure is it? Uh, and I was still going towards the uh, going towards the captain's license and doing the delivery stuff. And then I was going to get my wife, now wife, she was girlfriend at the time, onto a boat and that. And we were looking at it. So I did the final thing on that. And a job fell through. And so I decided to come back. We decided to come back here because we'd sold everything. We, you know, stopped the lease on the house that we were renting, that we were renting with other people. And that all felt, and then it fell through. She was from done. New Zealand? So she's from New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she, yeah, so she, um, you know, quit her job, all of this stuff because I got us a boat to get on. <laughs> And see, it, it fell through. I see, I see your method here. Get her isolated on the boat. It worked for my parents. That's right. My parents got a divorce as soon as we got to New Zealand, so I'm technically not. See, uh, but if you keep them out on the yeah, boat. Yeah, that's the There one. you go. But yeah, so that, that job fell through, and I had some money that my parents owed me here in the U.S., and so I was like, why don't we come back to the U.S., and I'll show you where I'm from. She had no desire initially to actually, no desire to actually date me um, in the very beginning. I was very persistent. Yeah, that's why I kept trying to get her on the boat. So, yeah, so we came back to the U.S. for three months, and I saw a train. Oh, we went, drove past after a train crash happened in L.A. in 2008. A uh, passenger train and freight train uh, collided with each other. Tw I think it was 18 people died that day, and I was glued to the TV going, how the hell do I get down there and help? Sure. And so the next day I started running through the hills of Sierra Madre. If you've ever been to Sierra Madre, it's up in the hills and it is all steep, horrible <laughs> stuff. And I was not a runner at all. I was a swimmer. I grew up on a boat. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of room to run. No, no, no. Don't marathon so dreams. <laughs> yeah, and so that kind of, I was glued to the TV that night. And I even, I was just recently actually stayed at the, my, the friend's house that we were staying at. It's actually my, one of my mom's really good friends from childhood. And we were talking about it. And I literally was glued to the TV going, the breaking news and i was like how do i get down there you reckon they'll let me come help if i show up <laughs> and she's like no you got to become one of them now i look back at photos and it was all firefighters uh. but there was cops on the premise and because the police was at the forefront of my brain i was mm -hmm. like i want i'm doing that and so mm -hmm. i got my eyes lasered like the next week i had to get <laughs> yeah. that i'm i'm spontaneous it's like if i'm going for it i'm going for it you know everybody on here that hears me talk about y'all as, as law enforcement officers you have add adhd here's my poster child you're adrenaline junkies and yeah. your caregivers i hey i got yeah. i don't have to say anything more no. he's met all the check boxes yeah, met all the check boxes for law enforcement you know you show me that poster and it's like oh yeah i get to chase people i get to drive 
cars and I get to shoot cool guns. Absolutely. Cool. Where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> and especially my parents. I mean, I grew up shooting guns. I grew up paragliding. My parents, my dad and uncle brought paragliding to the West Coast. There's that adrenaline junkie yep. I was just yeah. talking about. My, my uncle still owns uh, Yates Gear, which makes, uh, there's a little plug for him, but makes climb and rescue harnesses. So a lot of SWAT and military uses harnesses. Cool. Uh, so I most respect for law enforcement. My parents, my dad had been through the Trent and been through Academy when he was younger and that. And so... Mm. Had that looking back, I actually had those kind of seeds planted sure. along the way. <laughs> uh, and so, yes, yeah, so I know. Then um, I started doing that. And when I got back to New Zealand, this was the end of 2008, I applied for the New Zealand police and I didn't get in until 2011. Was that, and that was a time here that it was pretty tough still to get into law. That was when there were still yeah. a lot of people applying. And yeah, so we had a lot of people applying in 2008, 9, 10. I'm a white male. So you're a dime a dozen. Dime a dozen. They want it in New Zealand, especially they want ethnicity because we have a huge population of ethnicity, Asians, Pacific Islanders. We've got Maoris. We've got Muslims. We've got literally everything under the sun we have. And so another white male was kind of there. And so I spent, yeah, almost through, well, over two years literally wow. sitting there training to pass our fitness test because I could get called up. I, was, I sat there waiting at the final stages for about a year. Did you ever get the captain's thing finished? I finished my license okay. and all of that, but I never used it. <laughs> but yeah, there's that my, ADD thing. Yeah, when I, when, I, when, I went, when I met my wife, I was actually living on her boat in Auckland Harbor, and I would take her out and I'd go do work on the boat, like out, you know, a few miles all, you know, on another harbor. And she's like, man, you can move this around better than I can drive a car. Like, well, I still can. So anybody needs somebody to move the boat around, well, there you go. <laughs> that's, a, that's an after-retirement kind yeah, of job. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we be, have yeah. a friend who is doing that now uh, that just retired from Chandler, a lieutenant that retired from Chandler not too long ago. Who's, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, so I did a lot, did all that and ended up in Zealand. That's how I ended up in law enforcement. And, Yeah. So tell us about law enforcement in New Zealand, because I, I got zero knowledge of what it's like over there. I'll say this one thing, and I'll watch you guys' eyes. Our firearms are locked in the car. <laughs> Any chiefs and sheriffs here in the United States listening to this, uh, that is not a good idea. Uh, Let's not adopt yeah, not here. that uh -uh. philosophy. Well, I, I can see it heading that way. Don't well, me? yeah. No, don't don't think it can't uh, so go when there. I, when I started in law enforcement in 2011, I graduated May 2011. Uh, I all the firearms were in our sergeant's uh, station wagon, and we didn't even have all have tasers. We had um, they were just starting to roll out one per vehicle, and we're two up. <laughs> all right, now I got to know when are you allowed to bring it out of the locked so vehicle? <laughs> at the time, at the time, at the time, the taser was only if you were going to a job or dispatched to a job that was that you deemed that the officer deemed assaultive or above. But what if you didn't know? Because they don't always tell you we're going to assault the officer when he gets well, here. It's assaultive <laughs> for yourself or others. So if it was a domestic, you pretty much were putting it on. If it was a suicide, you were putting it on. If it was uh, disorderly, you were put, you were pretty much putting it on for almost. You could justify almost everything that you could put it on. Of course, I used to get in trouble because I used to just put it on. Sure, <laughs> but see, that would be my philosophy on the gun. So, yeah. at what point? So, can... so the gun is the job has to be deemed, or where you're going, or there has to be alerts, or something around the something around the job that makes you believe your cumulative your perceived cumulative assessment is that the, that it could become death or grievous bodily harm to yourself or somebody else. 
So or, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight in other words. Bringing a taser sometimes. to a gunfight. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So now, now all officers, all frontline officers have a taser 24 seven. Okay. And now they also have because we only had one Glock and one rifle in the vehicle when I was working on the street. So you get to fight with your partner. <laughs> well, norm, normally it was just kind of the driver got the Glock because you couldn't really carry a rifle easily wrapped True. around right. you. And if you're going like so, a lot of times what would end up happening if it was kind of on that that that, that kind of edge of should we be taking a gun or not? Sure. We wouldn't take the rifle. We would just one would have the taser, one would have the Glock, and so the driver would get the Glock, the passenger had the taser, and. Pray you that, don't get out and they've got an AK-47. Yeah, well, my buddy that I went to college with got shot because that happened. <laughs> and in his New Zealand? And his partner got killed about five years ago, four years ago. So did we learn anything and that changed anything? They have put two pistols. Well, no, that, they already had two pistols and two rifles in the car at the time. They've done some training around it. And they've also now put uh, our version of SWAT kind of in the dog handler's car. Okay. So now they can respond to things faster, but yeah, no, it, not a whole lot. And our well, handguns are nine millimeter for They're Glock 17s. Glock yeah. 17s. So it's nine mil. Yeah, okay. nine mil. Wow. So, but I'll preface this with our fire. I mean, I know criminals always have firearms, and though they get them, and our government, when we had a Christchurch terrorist attack happen mm -hmm. uh, a few years back, mm -hmm. and they took all of our semi-automatics, all of our ARs. Anything that holds over seven rounds is semi-auto, and it has to be and and rimfire. It's yeah. So they took all of those, and there's more guns being used at cops or presented than ever. But our we have a privilege to have firearms over there as a civilian, not a right. So we're not allowed to use them for self-defense. If you do, you have to really justify. It. There is no carrying on pistols; can only be shot on a pistol range. You have to shoot twelve times a year. Uh, they have 12? to be. Did yeah. you say so? You, you have to take off twelve shots out of. Out of you have to be part of a club to own a pistol, uh, and it, it can only be shot at the pistol range. What about law enforcement? How often do y'all recall? So we recall. I think now, back when I did it, we used to only live shoot about one hundred and twenty rounds a year, once. Now I think they're doing it two or three times, and they're doing a lot of like FX paintball round sim scenarios, okay, simulation, sim simulation, types, yeah, simulation yeah. stuff. So they're doing a lot wow. more of that stuff uh, now with officers. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, no, you, it's still... are, are guns real prevalent there, though? I mean, as far as the bad guys. I they mean, have I, nice people in New Zealand. Well, Tom, you know, I mean, there, there are there are lots of there are there are lots of firearms running around. There's a lot more. I Well, I don't know if there's more now, but we have what? What happened a few years ago is Australia decided we don't want to carry and hold and everybody else's prisoners. Mm -hmm. So they did what's uh, like it's under their thing. It's, we call it the 501 deports. And so they deport everybody back to their country if they committed a crime and they're not a New Zealand citizen. Hmm. And so they'll send them, they'll send them like back to the US. They'll send them like so they've sent them all the all back to New Zealand. They're all gang members. Most a lot of them are gang members in Australia. Yeah. And so when I was policing, there was kind of an unwritten rule that you didn't shoot at cops and you didn't shoot in public, nice. the gang members. And so we didn't have a whole lot of, yeah, you had the right. gangs and we're always watching them and that, but they'd never really take it to that next level. Well, now you got all these gang members that are from Australia. They're coming mm -hmm. over like the Comancheros and uh, I can't remember all the different ones, but they, and so they're coming over and now they're trying to set up territory and they have been trying to set up for the last few years. And so then you have them that happening. They're hmm. trying to set that territory. You have the guys that were already established. And so now they're sitting there. I mean, we've had shootings in hotel lobbies. We've had, you know, cops getting, you know, getting cops getting presented. They're still not shooting at cops a lot, mm -hmm. 
or they're or really hugely presenting, but you are getting more of it. And obviously, we know gang members have guns. Right. Sure. Um, wow. And so, yeah, so it is getting a little bit more. And I know I know from talking to my friends and that that are in, they are all like, we want to be like, when can we just freaking, when can you just arm us? But it is up to the officers perceived accumulative assessment on whether they put the firearm on or not when they go to a job and that. I heard shots. So, <laughs> That's <laughs> right. So, so I know a lot of the guys rural, and I'm not going to say names or anything because, hey, New Zealand police might see, might see hear this, but at the same time, a lot of them are already, they're already putting firearm on themselves. I would too. Like I used to do with the taser, they're putting firearms on themselves a lot because, and even back then, I know a lot of guys that were out real rural that were like, my help is like two hours exactly. away. Exactly. I'm yeah. freaking, I'm not doing this. And especially females. I know, sure. I know quite a few females that would put it on because they're like, I feel a little bit more confident. I feel a little bit more safe. The only thing that I would say is, yeah, it's always been down to the training side, but it's that that retention side. Do you get right. in trouble though if your supervisor shows up and you got a gun on? Yes, and you'll get in trouble. <laughs> you'll get asked. I used to get I used to get in trouble for having the taser on me all the time. That's where an <laughs> ankle come, holster would be. But you see, you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed to conceal any of that kind of stuff or do any any of that. But is a supervisor going to search you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you get caught, then that is your job. If you go to jail, like yeah, it's it's not really worth it at the end. Of, like at that's the moment. crazy. So, I, 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 so different. Can you imagine what the gangs would be like here uh, if they knew the cops' guns were locked mm, in their cars? Yeah, it'd be. How do we get that agreement that they don't shoot at cops yeah. and stuff? How'd y'all work that out? I have no idea. <laughs> you know, that's. I just mean, New Zealand, like New Zealand, New here. Zealand is kind of. Yeah, New Zealanders have that what we call over there a tall poppy syndrome. So it's like you don't want to stick your head up too high because you don't want to be, you know, shot down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so people always find that fascinating. So you know, when people ask, I'm like, yeah, we don't carry guns. And, you know, but what it does is it gets you to, and I feel that somewhere that's kind of it, the pendulum's kind of swinging towards that here is that communication side is mm -hmm. massive over there. I mean, I only ever used OC spray once in my whole career. Okay. And so, and not because, not because people didn't have weapons, not because, you know, it, I couldn't have used other things, but because that communication is so strong and we're taught, taught that because, and it, but again, if somebody wants to shoot you, like the officer that right. we lost, Matt Hunt, a few years back, uh, and my buddy who got shot as well, who survived, that just, it was out of the blue and the guy just started shooting at him and Matt would, I can put my hand on heart from knowing what happened. He would still be alive if those officers had a firearm on him. How about body cams? You using nope. those? No, we Is got there no body any cams. Movement toward there's that? been rumbles about it for years, right. and but then there's lots of people. They're like, "No, we don't want them." I was always like, "Just give me one. I don't care. Like, I'm not going to do anything dumb." Right. <laughs> it, it, it works. It works out worse for the. <laughs> for the, it usually the does. Yeah. Yeah. But are they sure. video? Is everybody over yep. there videoing everything yeah, going on with their cell that. phones you and stuff? Like, yeah, you still get all that as well. And you're in law enforcement no. now. You're no, not. No, I left. I I I had to take some leave without pay in 2017 uh, because I burned out and most likely never got diagnosed, but most likely had PTS, PTSD, whatever injury. the yeah PTSI. injury, PTSI. Yeah. Uh, and then I actually resigned in 2018. After how many years? Uh, about seven and a half. Okay. So I, and my my final three and a half years was on um, protection services, so our version of Secret Service. At a federal level? So all our New, our New Zealand police is a one, there's only one. Oh. One you police. don't have. No, we don't have. You do everything. Yeah, we do everything. So, <clears throat> so I was within the New Zealand police based in Auckland. 
Wow. Now, are y'all having the same trouble that we have here of even getting people to apply for these jobs? It's, limit, it's gone down a little bit, but not as bad as you guys have it here. Yeah, it's, it, it's tough mm -hmm. here. How's the pay? Because I don't even know what the cost of living in New Zealand's like. Uh, it's a lot higher. So I have a, let's put it in Auckland, biggest city in New Zealand, about 2 million people. It had, I bought a townhouse, three-level townhouse that's attached to other five other units. It's about 1,100 square feet. Uh, three bedroom, and I paid a million New Zealand, which is about 600, 650 US. Okay. But no yard and a carport, no garage. Wow. <laughs> yeah, a wow. little pricey over there. Yeah. So, what yeah. would a salary of a salary? Oh, now you're trying to now you're trying to make me think. I started on like fifty six thousand. 62 with all my benefits, but I think they're up at like 70 now. With that's every, US? With, no, New Zealand. Okay. And which is about, take a third off of that. So that's about oh. 70 is about what, Ooh. 50? Ooh. And that's across the That's across the board. Does not matter where you, does not matter where you live. So the guys that are out rural and out small lands, small places and that, they're actually better off than us in Auckland. Wow. That's crazy. That's interesting. There's talk. There's always there's been a lot of talk around giving like a, a subsidy, like a, a, a boost and pay to Auckland, but it's never happened. Now, do you guys have <clears throat> uh, retirement like pensions and stuff? So or? the only thing we have is um, the police matches. So that it's a mandatory seven and a half percent of your wage goes into um, your superannuation, which is an investment fund. Okay. Uh, and they match that. After so, and what do you, how many years do you have to do? So before? as soon as you resign, you can take money out of it. So you don't have to do like twenty to hit maximum. No, there's no, there's no. It doesn't increase the amount of time. I did seven and a half years. I ended up using it so I could buy a house and also some personal development stuff when I left because I needed it. So hmm. what are you doing in New Zealand now? So now I run a program uh, for last since I left in 2018. I've been running a program for aspiring police officers to help them get into law enforcement around mm -hmm. the fitness side because I became a personal trainer when I left because I didn't know what I was going to do. Sure. Um, I was just a cop. Uh, was my thing when I left. I, if I could reach you, I would slap you right <laughs> I know, now. I know. I, know. I, I, I would, you know. I, I've slapped myself many a times I, because of that. I have dispatchers uh, that'll say, "I'm just a dispatcher." Yeah. I'm like, "I'm going to beat you." Yeah, yeah, when please, I can get please you. beat yourself. Yes, like absolutely. you are not just. You are some of the best salespeople, best communicators yeah. out there, and some of the most trustworthy people that anybody can ever hire. Not to mention, kind of essential. Kind of essential as yeah. well. A yeah. Bit. So. Um, you know, so, but yeah, so I, I've been helping them build their fitness and also build a practice uh, and foundation on how not to burn out, how not to get where I did and not have an empty tank. So you actually love the job after 20 years. Sure. So I teach them those few things that I wish I'd been taught at police training, mm -hmm. uh, that would have kept me in the job now. Uh, and now I'm here in the U S so I've been here since the 9th of March running. I've developed an actual program for departments. How well received is that in New Zealand? I mean, we're talking about people that make you lock your gun in your car, and I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, the, do they the, care about mental wellness here. They all? they do, and they're doing stuff, but not to the level that I think they should be. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's always a subjective right. thing. Gosh, but here in the U.S., they're just chomping at the bit. Oh, they're chomping hard. <laughs> well, they're chomping better than they used some. to. Some are doing really good. Some just not. So I've actually had a pretty good. I mean, it's all one police force over there, so you got to go through the headquarters. And trying to crack that egg is like trying to crack a titanium egg. I'm sure. And so that's why I decided to come back here because I was like, the U.S. is needing it really bad right now. It helps re re with retention. It helps with actually getting new cops because they realize, hey, wait a second. These guys actually care about us. Sure. 
Uh, and so, yeah, so I've been going over here and it's actually been well received. I ran a few, I've ran a few trainings for over here and still in conversation with the people and that. So, um, yeah. yeah, the tough, I think one of the toughest parts here is how they're lowering standards and stuff. Mm. We taught, yeah. we taught one class for Phoenix <laughs> and had five new recruits in the class. And yeah, honestly, that was the whole class five. Yeah. Well, it was six, but yeah. And this was week two yeah. of the yeah. academy. And I've heard that a lot of different places there. You know, I think it was New Jersey. Was it earlier this year? They opened up their application and normally they'll get like, you know, 3000 or 3,500 yeah. applications and they got like 450. Yeah. Well, of those <laughs> Don't five, quote me on those numbers though. Yeah. <laughs> of those five, honestly, three had no business. One even looked at us and told us that she wanted to be a social worker. And I'm like, that's, that was the office. Yeah, over. That, was the, that, was the, that was the left hand turn. Not exactly. the right hand. Yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah. I don't think she made it through FTO no. was the last thing that I heard, yeah. but no, I just think, God, and right. this is, this is like, I've had a lot of conversations around like the U S lowering standards and that New Zealand kind of lowered them a little bit fitness wise, but our fitness test to get in mm -hmm. is a mile and a half run for women. It has to be done in 12 minutes or less. What is it here? It depends on the department. Yeah, each department. But the the state AZ post standard is is, is like something like sixteen minutes. Yeah, for yeah everybody. I've heard that. it's yeah. like sixteen, yeah. sixteen yeah. minutes. But yeah. then departments will lower that standard. Yeah. Right. I, I can walk at that at yeah. that speed. I, like, I right. could walk it at that <laughs> yeah, exactly. sixty four like, years. I have old. I have most of my clients in New Zealand that are aspiring and want to get in and they want the fitness side of my pro, of my of my business. Most of them start at like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, twelve is twelve's fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so 12, if you, yeah, so 12 is for women, guys is 11, 15. I mean, you're talking what, eight minute mile? Something like that. Which is what my Marine was doing at Paris Island. Yep. And so, and then, impressive. and then after that, you have to be able to do, women have to be able to do 15 for minimum points, 15 push ups, and they're out wide. So you lay in a crucifix position, have your elbows marked out, and then you put your hands in line with theirs. So it's real wide. It's, yeah, re then, it's real wide. Like wow. It's not that close. They're out yeah. real wide. So it's a very shoulder chest based push up. And they have to be able to do at least 15 of those to, to get minimum points. And guys have to be able to do be able to do at least 25. What's that's, the reasoning behind that, though? The push up. Yeah. It's to, to build. It. It's to see strength, the strength that you have, as well as to be able to push people away, to be able to retain people, to be able to, you know, actually do defensive tactics. You need to have some strength. Uh, and then they have a grip test and they also have a static jump test that's above your reach. So those so two are normally not fences. So then, then it used to be actually during recruitment, you had to do our PCT. So that was the obstacle course, which you have to do every two years and you have to pass. Every two years? Every two years, years and you get a $1,000 bonus off of it. <laughs> <laughs> we know some people that wouldn't last in yeah. law oh, but, if you, if, but if you look at the law enforcement in New Zealand, not many of them are as big as you get here. You know, I meaning fat, fat. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be PC there. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do PC here. Sorry. Yeah. But a lot of those are at the top of the food but, chain. So our, 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 our PCT over in New Zealand that they have to pass is a trailer push of, uh, I think it's 10 yards. Trailer push. Uh, trailer push. So the a wooden a metal trailer that hasn't like a, you know, like a, just a normal, you know, metal trailer, uh, single axle. They've got to push. I uh, know it's a double axle. They've got to push that 10, me 10 meters. Uh, then they have to pull a tire out of it. The spare tire has to come out of it, and they have to set that in a box. It's a 200-meter or about, what, 220-yard um, run. Uh, and then you jump on a 90-degree balance beam. Then you jump over a 1-meter uh, hurdle. Like, uh, Sorry, you could jump over the top of a hurdle. 
Then you jump a gap that's a meter, do a zigzag through a window over a six foot wall. Then you do a body drag of 20 meters, a 75 kilo body drag, so about 150 pound body drag. Uh, men and women men have and to do, women have to no do this. Changes. There's no change. It's just the time frame that you have to do it in. So okay. you do the body drag. Then you run back. You go over a 2.2 meter fence. Uh, and then you run to the finish, which is. But that's just at the beginning. We don't have to do no. that every so two years. So that's every two years. Oh, that. That is the thing. <laughs> that's the thing that's every two years. The, the mile and a half run or the 2.4 kilometer run. That's only during recruitment. And, yeah. And so you have to do that every two years. And for our specialty squads, most of them are low two minutes or two minutes that you have to be able to do that in. Joel, you got any desire to go to New Zealand and do this, honey? No, I'm just thinking. <laughs> our youngest member in the room. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how how much that would change things around here. Oh, uh, no kidding. Well, we'd lose a lot of the upper commands. But here's but here's now, the, does everybody. So everybody has to do it if you're front line. You have okay. to pass it if you're front line. If you're oh, a desk, no, if, you're a desk jo- if you're a desk jockey, you don't have to. Hmm. I want it for. But everybody. if you are if you are patrol, like if you are responding to anything, you have to be able to do it. And you know, in my mind, from a fitness background, and that it's uh, it's also it's mental clarity. Mm-hmm. A fit person has more mental clarity under stress. They are going to make better decisions. Sure. And so we, you know, our department, we don't have a whole lot of, in New Zealand, I mean, there's been a few recently because, again, we're getting kind of the cops that maybe shouldn't be cops uh-huh. and, that you know, they're quite immature. Uh, but you, you, we don't have a whole lot of, like, things where people are making complaints against cops and they're massive, de- like, massive things that, you know, you kind of, you know, whether they're right or wrong, you see, you do see over here, again, 365 million, we have 5 million in New Zealand, I'll just... So yeah. you're going to see a lot more of them. There's right. a lot more to pick from. Exactly. <laughs> but 3,000 cops for how many people? 5 million. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. uh, Phoenix. I mean, are we talking <laughs> about yeah. Phoenix maybe? <laughs> yeah. Imagine 3,000 cops in all of greater Phoenix. Well, they should well, have, they should that, have many, that many. many. Yeah. But wait, so yeah, in New Zealand, for people, like a lot of people go, oh, New Zealand's small. New Zealand's the size of the whole West Coast. So you've so got a lot of rural end, areas. Lot, that's, the South Island that's the size of California just about has a million and two. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Auckland has two million, just over two million now, I think it is. Jeez. And again, don't quote me on these numbers. They're probably slightly wrong, but ballpark. Wow. wow. That's yeah. crazy. What about suicides in law enforcement? Very uh see in New Zealand we're not allowed to we're not allowed to report on suicides. So the media cannot say that this was a suicide. Okay. And wow. so, so if you want to get that, it's official under the Information Act. And I haven't heard of anything, but I do know of even just in the last year, I know of people that know somebody that has known an officer that's taken their own life. It's never been reported as that, though. What's hmm. the reason behind that? They don't want to. I think the reasoning that the government doesn't want suicides actively talked about and published mm-hmm. is because they don't want to bring that flow on effect of, that kind of awareness of oh cool I can go commit suicide, but we have one of the highest suicide rates in the world in New Zealand. Yeah, because y'all just really go oh that's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that, so right. I think I'll go do yeah. that now that there's, I read about this. Yeah, there's also New Zealand does again, like I said, you know, before, earlier on, they have the tall poppy syndrome as we call it, which is they don't want to have their head sticking up, so you don't want that kind of they would they're not. I mean, a lot of New Zealanders think Americans are arrogant and loud and boisterous and <laughs> which we annoying, are. which, which <laughs> we are. Accurate. And this is what I, this is what I told my wife, you know, before she came to New Zealand, I thought that same thing. And then she came to New Zealand and they're like, she's like, she came to the U.S. and she's like, 
Americans are some of the nicest people that I know. But she's like, the but they're part. but they're passionate. Yeah. She's like, that's the difference. They are passionate when they want something, and they have to fight for stuff. There's 365 or 370 million people that you're fighting against. Sure. So you want to make a you want to make an impact. You yeah, have to fight for it. And really, when you think about it, here the newspaper articles, it. it we always speculate at suicide yeah. when it doesn't give a cause of death or money given to the Cancer Society or Heart Society or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of speculation right. going on. But uh, one of the things that we're finding out here is, is that officers are planning their line of duty death mm. rather than the suicide part because then families get benefits. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to know if that is something... We don't, we haven't lost that many officers in New Zealand. So we Good. lost, I think, in the history of New Zealand. Again, don't quote me on this number. I should probably know these, but it, I think it's like 25 officers we've lost in the wow. history of New Zealand. Wow. We lost one not that long ago to a guy who ran from the police. Uh, he saw them, ran. Um, he was on methamphetamine, uh, but he ran, crashed, and they, he didn't even, like, they hadn't even really chased him. He was speeding down the hill. They were doing a speed check like spot and um my friend was training the the newer guy on traffic stuff he'd been in the recruit all well, the, the the jb as we call it the junior boy who had been in a year and a half i think and he was on traffic with my friend and they were he was training him and they saw this guy flying you know come flying out of a road in front of him and so they're like oh cool we'll turn around and the guy ducked into the road just behind him and so they went after him and the car crashed so they expected that the guy was going to be slumped over the front seat. So they pulled just past them. As my friend got out of the car, the guy came around the passenger side of the car that was crashed with an AK and started shooting at him. Oh, wow. And so, but that, I mean, I mean, we're getting more and more times where, you know, cops are getting shot at and there's a lot more incidents happening in that. So I. What about so even accidents though? Oh, you mean like killed in the line of duty? Could no, be we haven't, we haven't, we haven't had, we haven't had anybody, any cop killed in the line of duty besides that one in years. Wow. So we don't have that kind of stuff happening. Um, Before Tom can ask, do you have motors? Yes, we do. <laughs> my best, my best, my best friend, different friend. My best friend was on motors for a couple of years. It was where when I left, when I left the place, if I had gone back, I was going to go back to motors. I had it all lined up. The motor sergeant and that everything was like, yep, cool. There you go. Yeah, Did so. they wear the killer boots <laughs> just like our No, we do. wear actual proper full BMW. Well, at the time, I don't know what they're wearing now, but they were wearing full like BMW actual motorcycle gear. So we wear actual proper gear. Yeah. Uh, Cooler than glo gloves, actual motorcycle boots, yeah. motorcycle gloves. We wear all of it even in summer. It's a it's actually a mandatory thing that they have to. It's not a. I watched you guys here in the U.S. I'm like man, crazy. Huh? Well, you, you noticed it nuts, in man. Tom's office. Yeah, I saw his helmet. Yeah, I saw his helmet. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, no. You like you guys are nuts over here. Like I, I even agree. I was riding yesterday my friend's bike outside to go out to surprise to pick up some motorcycle boots for my wife for this trip that we're doing uh, on Saturday. And I was like, it was, I must have been like, what? I think I got to like 98 or 99 yesterday. Yeah. And oh, I was, oh, yeah. I was riding. I'm on a sports bike that I'm way too big on. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little Kawasaki 300 and I'm six foot six. So, you know anything about bikes? It's a tiny little sports bike. It looks like a circus bear. Scooter. It does look like a circus bear. But hey, it's two wheels and it gets me from That's right. Uh, and uh, it, so, yeah, I was riding. I was like, even with the wind, I'm hot. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm from Redding, California. It gets to 110, 115 in summer. And so I'm, you know, I'm used to that. But I'm like, at least it's not humid. 
in New Zealand, it gets, oh, yeah. it gets to like 80 and it's 100% humidity. Oh, yeah. And I'm in my motorcycle gear and I am literally unzipping my jacket because I'm like, I just need air. Whereas here, I'm like, eh, it's dry. It wasn't too bad. But it's still hot. So yeah. I can see why you guys don't. But at the same time, I've oh, you've probably been to enough crashes. You oh, know what yeah. happens. That that road rash does, is not forgiving even no, on motorcycle no, gear. No, no. <laughs> when I first moved here from Alabama 11 years ago, I got so tickled because... Now, maybe they do it now, but they weren't doing it then. But I walked into one of the QTs or the gas stations, <laughs> and there was a motor cop in the beer freezer in uniform. Yep. And I'm like, Best off. That mm-hmm. would be frowned upon in Alabama. You <laughs> yeah. don't connect alcohol in the No, cup and in he the... didn't care about the alcohol. He just wanted the fridge. Exactly. Was, I, um, I, I worked on um, like our version of Highway Patrol, so like state troopers and that here in, here in Arizona uh, for a year. We call it motorways. And so I worked on it for a year. And one year it was stupidly hot and i went and saw a friend of mine who's a volunteer paramedic and so she had her paramedic bag in, in the car and i stopped in to see her and, and say hi and i was like man it is so hot out there she's like you got any ice packs i was like why do i why why would i have ice packs she's like yeah the break the break like instant ice packs i was like no she's like hang on goes into her paramedic bag that was in the back of her car pulls out like three of the of the instant ice packs and goes here Throw this inside your vest. Nice. And I did it. And I was like, oh, my God, you are a lifesaver. <laughs> I thought he was going to say she hooked him up to an IV and pumped fluids. No, that, been, that probably would have been good that day. Um, but, yeah, no, it was like, you know, with that humidity and it was a busy oh, yeah. day. We were out on the – I wasn't in the car very much. And the car that I had, the air con wasn't working very great. I was like, put that in for a service. I was like, this needs new air, con- air conditioning. <laughs> that's horrible. So do you think you'd ever go back to it? Law enforcement, mm-hmm. I think about it occasionally, but I love what I do now. Yeah. And I get to impact so many people. I mean, I've ran two in-person live training, full-day things, so three sessions. Trained just while I've been here in the U.S. I have trained uh, what, almost 70 police officers mm-hmm. to better their mental wellness and their mental health and prevent burnout. And I'm like, if I can do that, the 10 people that they go interact with and talk with, and sure. like Pinal, I, did, I ran it for Pinal. And it was all their executive, their their command staff. So not one person had less than 20 years. And now they're going and talking with their officers. So it's Good. like the ripple effect is so much bigger than if I just right. went back to the street. And that's the key because I think in the United States, we're known for too many people going to training, but they don't bring it back. Yeah. And share, they keep it to themselves, which is never going to be a good thing. Yeah, no, it's not. You have to, the knowledge that you learn, and that's what I learned after law enforcement especially, is the knowledge that you learn, you have to pass on. Absolutely. You're doing everybody a disservice if you're not. The knowledge that you learn and pass it on, and if you're one of the recipients of that, you don't agree with it, you don't like it, cool. Then, you know, put it in the back of your brain, because I can tell you this from from learning and there's some stuff that I was like, nah, that just doesn't make sense. And then a few years later, I'm like, huh. <laughs> yeah. I get it I now. Was stupid. <laughs> yeah, I get it now. I get it now. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and you've been doing this longer than I have. <laughs> well, cops are so cynical by yep. nature, I assume everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that's what got me to the rock to my rock bottom was mm-hmm. because I got so negative, so cynical. I I mean I did my final three and a half years of law enforcement was on uh, protection services, our version of Secret Service. So I actually worked alongside Circuit Secret Service when uh President Biden came over when he was vice president. Uh and I've worked with I worked, I protected two prime ministers while I was over there, a bunch of what, the Royals from the Netherlands, a bunch of other diplomats that would come in. And I went from watching the image, and you'll know this is the opposite, the image of a criminal, which there is. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this image that they kind of match, and you're like, oh, yeah, that person, yeah, probably, and they'll go have a, have a talk to watching everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my paranoia went from, yeah, cool, I'm paranoid, sure. to I'm watching everyone. Mm-hmm. It got so bad that in 2015, I was back here. I was going to SHOT Show with my uncle uh, and my dad. And I was here over New Year's in California. I dropped my wife off at the airport in San Francisco. I was back in Redding. And I was driving to my friend, best friend's house in, in Redding and my uncle's Tacoma. And I thought an early black... T- an early 2000s black Tahoe was following me home. Was following me to her house, sorry. So much so that I pulled over so that it would pass me. You get that way. Do you, do you think it was just accumulation of everything on the job? Yeah. Um, or was, did like, did you have a, like a critical incident that kind of started you more into that process? Yeah, I think it was an accum- it's an accumulation and not being able to, knowing how to process it. That's why mm-hmm. I teach what I teach now is really that that shifting language, that shifting focus, the taking care of yourself, the 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 only focusing on what you do actually have control of and rewiring the way that you mm-hmm. talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was accumulation. I mean, we see what is it they they reckon eighteen times as much trauma. Uh, as a civilian will see in their first 12 months or in their first year, like law enforcement will see 18 times as much trauma in their first 12 months as a civilian will in their entire life. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Something it? along those yeah. lines. I mean, yeah. I wasn't even out of training. I, we do a thing called station duty halfway through our 19 weeks of training. I think it's 16 weeks now, but when I did it, it was 19 weeks, halfway through, you take two weeks, you go back to your, like back to your station, a week of its annual leave and a week of its running around with the guys that you'll be working with. And I saw a guy who had been dead for three weeks. I still, my wow. wife, my, we were talking before we came on about the trash stuff. The garbage my can. my yeah. wife has to tell me to take the trash out because I can't smell it. Yep. Trauma response. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I didn't recognize that until about three years after I left the police. Sure. And so, you know, you're seeing that two weeks out of out of right. training, I went to a guy who jumped in front of a train. The first thing I found was his heart. There you go. Looked like it was surgically removed. And I just laughed it off. Do y- I was going to ask you, do y'all use yeah, we humor? Use, yeah, yeah, we use the dark humor. We yeah. use the all the time and sure. so it's like i looked at it and i was like oh wow that's you know especially at 20, is it still at 24 beaten? at 20 <laughs> at 24 i was like whoa that, and this is at night so the, you, i'm looking at flat with flashlight yeah. and i'm like wow that's cool oh my god and then the next thing was his torso it looked like it was buried underneath the cobble of the, of the around the railroad tracks and it sure. was like rubber i was like oh that's cool that's gonna suck yeah yeah that's gonna oh that's yeah. gonna that's hurt gonna that's hurt. gonna <laughs> hurt in the morning <laughs> that'll yep. leave a and, mark you know, and then his legs are up underneath mangled underneath the engine it's like I didn't think anything of it. Didn't mm-hmm. talk about it. Everybody just laughed it off. Yeah. And then uh, that critical incident that you talk about, and you know, it's funny being here. I thought it was, and I, when I did, I did a motorcycle trip when I left the when I left law enforcement. Came back to New Zealand. Came back to the U.S. Bought a motorcycle in Redding, California. Did eight thousand miles all the way to Houston and back to Redding to the wow. big loop. Came through Phoenix on the way back actually, uh, and. I remember going, I can't have PTSD or I mean, back then it was called PTSD, PTSI, you know, whichever one you're kind of looking at these days. And I go, I can't have that. My cousin was in the military. He had a suicide bomber blow up part of his platoon at a checkpoint. And I was like, that's PTSD. And um, until I talked to him, I mean, I talked to people along the whole way and people Mm -hmm. were telling telling me, I was telling them my story. And I was like, yeah, I've got PTSD. Can you know, counselors kind of said, you know, you most likely do. Uh, And I talked to my cousin and I was like, he was, I was like, I don't feel like I do. I didn't have somebody get killed. I didn't get shot at. I didn't get, you know, have a partner get shot. I didn't have anything big, massive happen. Like I see, like you see here in the U S sure. And he's like, Chris, you know, I talked with my cousin and I just saw him recently as well. And I talked to him and he's like, Chris, it doesn't matter. He's like, what affects you might not affect me. And what affects me might not affect you. You know, you might be in a shooting and be like, 
Sure. And whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you might have, like I did, so I, I was about a year and a bit into into the job, and I had a female partner of mine get assaulted as I went to go arrest somebody. Wow. She left the job the next day. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. And so I blame myself for years, and That's I never talked about it. That's I blame myself yeah. for years right this survivor guilt. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I know all this now. And so, you know, I've been here and I've been talking with departments and that. And they're like, oh, you know, your story's not. I was like, it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> and that's one of the things that we teach is that it usually isn't the shooting because they're taught how to, when to, where to, why to. It's usually somebody else being hurt that they feel responsible for right. or, or something bad. Yeah. Your problem solvers is what we tell mm-hmm. everybody your job description is. And those are the things that take their toll. And, and that's And then the from there, uh, you know, I. The guy got, and I love this one when I tell people this here in the U.S. because they complain about what people are getting sentenced. <laughs> sure. This guy assaulted my partner. She left the job. She had PTSD. She was clenching the bed and, and all of that at night, you know, all the symptoms, nightmares. And he got six months home detention and $400 reparation. Well, there you go. And the home detention? Home so- detention. So he had to stay at home unless he was going to work for his uncle that he was living with. So the moral to the story, if you're going to commit a crime, go to New Zealand. Because <laughs> yeah. apparently they aren't very hard Jeez. on them. Of course, we're how, kind of, well, I don't know that we're getting How bad better. was she injured? So it dented her cheekbones, split her eye open. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so he, he haymakered her as, she, as he went for the front door. She went to go stop him, and he haymakered her. Did she get any in any, him? Yeah. And on him? No, so yeah. I, I was training for our version of SWAT at the time. Uh, and so I was running a lot. And so I chased him up this like 20 degree slope driveway that's probably like 150 yards, got to the top, spray. That's the only time I used OC spray, sprayed him. Uh, and he dropped like a sack of potatoes. Luckily, I think it was just because he was winded and breathed <laughs> in all the stuff. Uh, and that was after I kind of tried to spray him and sprayed myself. So I was a bit angry. Uh, and so he, he dropped. I got him. I had to give him a few kidney shots to, you know, get stuff around. I wanted sure. to do stuff. She finally got up uh, to the, to the, to the, um, to where we were. Uh, and she uh, had her three cell mag light. Cause she had one, I didn't have one, but she had one. She had crossed his legs and put them up on him to because he was thrashing right. around, and you know how they do. Uh, and she's sitting there, I vividly can remember this. She was sitting there pumping the mag light like that. Should have said, Go ahead. <laughs> Sadly, Go I'm glad that we she didn't because we're not we like that. Uh, his buddy, his friend, the guy, the offender's friend that was at the address, he came up and he was there yeah. so. He wasn't videoing, but he was there and wanted to spray, you know, put water on his friend's face. And that sure, go the, ahead. The, the friend, yeah, yeah no, should have. Yeah, yeah, it makes it worse. Right. Yeah, it it's makes it worse. Yeah, why don't you get some yeah, water? That's a good idea. You know, I'm glad that we didn't do any of that kind of stuff yeah. because that would have gone against my morals and my values. You'd have gotten more time in jail than he yeah. got. Yeah, probably. But I mean, but again, this, you know, it, yeah, that threw me. And so I started, that's when I, I can identify it. That's when I started to go negative. Mm-hmm. And as soon as all the officers were like, oh, my God, he didn't get anything and he didn't get this. I bought onto that because mm-hmm. I was in that emotional depleted sure. state. Yeah. And I was burned out and I fed into that. And then I came off of motorways, which is our version of highway patrol, came off of that, went back to the street and went to what was it? Four suicides and two nasty notification jobs. Wow. And that completely screwed me. Sure. That's when I was completely gone. Sure. Because I completely disconnected. I had a guy that was. He would have been in his mid-50s. His son committed suicide, and my partner found him. We were out. All of us were out looking for him. My partner turned left at the trail. I went right with the dad. Partner found the kid. 
And so I had to bring the dad back to the patrol car and he's sitting there going, have you found my son? Have you found my son? And I had to tell him in the, on the pathway sure. and just dropped like a sack of potatoes. That, that's the worst job there is. Oh. Give him the death notifications. And yeah. so me, me, one, not having the training with it, two, already being disconnected and being really like people suck. Mm -hmm. uh, I just went, put my hand on his back and went, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, so y'all don't use any kind of chaplains or anything? We normally do, so we'll do like, and then we ended up calling what we call the um, the victim support. So okay. then you call them and they came around. Mm -hmm. So, But I still had, to, I had yeah. to deal with that. Right. We had to take him back. I had to tell his wife. Wow. Um, and then finally victim support got there. You know, about a half hour, 45 minutes later, they got there. But the one that was really bad was a guy um, committed suicide in his car, gassed himself in the car. These days with emissions, you probably can't even do it. <laughs> and, True. Yeah. Uh, but the, he, he, he gassed himself and he was going through a divorce. His new girlfriend found him. Mm. And so Night Shift took the scene over and we were like, my partner and I were like, oh, the current wife is just down the road. We'll go do the notification. We'll get victim support. We'll be in and out in a half hour. We'll be done dusted. Called victim support about a dozen times that night and they didn't answer. Oh no. And so we had to deal with it. I had quite a senior officer with me and I've been, you know, I've been in what, four years, three years by this point, three and a half years. So, you know, I had some experience on mm -hmm. my belt and that, but I was again, so disconnected. And so we were in there and the lady couldn't even dial a telephone. Wow. To call her friends. Uh, couldn't, you know, the phone number for the airline so that she could go to her daughter in Wellington. She couldn't even dial that number. So like, and so we're trying to help her out. And then her 16 year old daughter came downstairs <laughs> and when she, the mother went to go book an airline ticket online, uh, she found the suicide note had been emailed to her. And so we're sitting there, we're sitting there after that happens, we're sitting on the couch waiting for her friends to arrive. And you know, we're there consoling her in that. And the 16 year old daughter comes down and goes, what's going on? What's going on? And so we look at my partner and like, and he's like, yeah, the mother's not going to can't do this. Yeah. And so we told her what happened. And so then they console each other, they're crying, you know, all that stuff. And then the, the daughter, for some reason, ended up in the office, which is at the bottom of the stairs. And I didn't see her go in there. I thought she went to go, you know, restroom or something. And I, next thing I see her shoot out of there and upstairs. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, crap, she's found the letter. And so oh, no. literally that's what happened. She found the letter. She went upstairs and she was crying on the bed. And so I told my partner I'm going to go up. And this is about 2014, beginning of 2014. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of the Black Lives Matter stuff happening here, the anti-police, the, mm -hmm. you know, the the whole like you can't do this, you can't do that. And sure. so I'm already in that negative state. And so I literally embraced that. I went upstairs and she's sitting there blaming herself and telling how, how it's all her fault. And I'm sitting there going, no, this isn't your fault. Hon. You know, sweetie, it, it's, 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 it's not your fault. He was in pain and I'm sitting there trying to come up with the words. But again, I'm so blanked out from the state, the burned much. out state that I'm in. All I wanted to do was give this girl a hug uh -huh. and say it wasn't her fault. All I did was put my hand on her back and say it wasn't your fault. And I, again, didn't feel like I was enough didn't feel like I did enough. Sure. And so it just concreted it in. And at that stage, I completely emotionally disconnected. Sure. And what I do next, how many cops do you know that go, I'm going to change my environment and it's going to make <laughs> everything better. Of course it will. So that's when I got shoulder tapped to go to protection services because I've been qualified already for it. I uh, went to that thinking everything would be better and it made it a hundred times worse. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, moral of my story is learn who you are. I left the police and I like I did my motorcycle trip. I and I don't want anybody else to have to do have to run away. Sure. Sure. And so, yeah, it's all about really know who you are. Like my purpose in life, I help people find that purpose that actually stems back to their childhood. All of our 
crap that we have now. You'll that know garbage are, can. all that garbage can started when we were a kid <laughs> exactly. and created who we are now until we actually rewire it. Sure. So I help people identify that and then rewire it in a positive way. Mine's, I want to be seen. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to my dad going to chiropractic school when I was like five or oh, three. Um, and so again, you look at my partner getting assaulted. You look at me with a suicide. Yep. I didn't feel like I was helping anybody else be seen. And I didn't feel like I was being seen. Sure. Because I didn't see me. And so, yeah, so that's kind of what I do now because I realized that if I had known all of that, if I had known, oh, cool, I need to help this person be seen and feel helped, I would still be a cop to this day. Sure. Sure. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a shooting. It's not, I didn't get a partner shot or anything like that. But it is. That's but, not usually. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, but it was all that I'm not good enough. Mm hmm. Well, and again, my job is to solve everybody's problems, mm -hmm. and I haven't solved these people's right. problems, so this falls on me. Mm -hmm. Th yep. This is what we see. I'm not on doing a, enough. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If I'd been here, not there, yep. I could have gotten there on time or whatever. And no debriefs. Exactly. Well, some are doing it wrong, so it's not well, necessarily helpful. <laughs> um, yeah. But again, like uh, my partner got assaulted. I came home. I was supposed to finish at 2 a.m., came home at 7 30, 8 o'clock in the morning, my wife goes, what's happened? I bawled my eyes out on the back step, and that was the last I talked about until I left the police. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, did I they... I never even talked to the, like, literally my partner left the next day, went on leave without pay, uh -huh. and then resigned a little bit later. <laughs> I never even got a debrief with her. Wow. I had to message her and tell her, like, years later, tell her that I blame myself for what happened that night, and she's like, it's not your fault. Wow. She's like, I didn't leave because of that. That was just the last straw on the camel's back. Sure. And how long had she been on it? About seven and a half years. Uh -huh. Well, we had a situation here, and we're right at the anniversary, actually, on the 18th, of an officer killed in Phoenix, Dave Glasser. Mm -hmm. And yes. one of his... Chris... Yep. yep. Chris was Chris part is, of that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one of the officers that was very, very close to Dave has been on our podcast, and he's also one of our stress coaches. And he felt responsible because he was supposed to actually be in that march unit that day, but had to go to rifle recall. Because they are a net squad, and they always had somebody yeah. in uniform in a I patrol think, car. I'm trying to remember. I think I know who that is. I think I've interviewed him on my podcast as well. And he called me, and he said, you know, something about feeling responsible. And I said, okay, let's make you responsible. And I said, you know, everything consists of 100%. You can't have something more than 100%. So I said, so how much of the responsibility are we going to take from the POS who actually pulled the trigger and killed Dave Blaster? Do you want 50%? of that or do you want 30 percent he was like i don't want it you know that piece of shit you know and i said okay so now what he goes damn susan and he goes okay i'm with you and i said that's the whole thing the guy that assaulted your partner how much of the responsibility you want to take from him yeah none, none. it's his, it is. It's absolutely his. yeah and i've used that several times with several officers and they're like Okay, that makes sense because I really it's, don't want to take it. It's that perspective. It I is. did some insurance advising for a little while, and I was, you know, dealt with a lot of. They started sending me all the complaints of different people around insurance because they're like, "Man, you can deal with these people yelling and screaming at you on the phone." I was like, "They're not trying to kill me." Right. There's <laughs> like, a big difference, and I can right. hang up on them. I mean, <laughs> perspective. It's like it's that whole thing. You know, who's who's bad connection? Yeah. Oh, I can't, oh, I can't, I can't. yeah, it's like. But again, it's that like you said. It's that you know. How much do you want to take on that's yours? I'm like, that's this it. has nothing to do with me. This has to do with whatever this person's problem is with whatever's going on. Absolutely. Let's see if we can get to the bottom of it. But again, that same thing. You know, how much of the of the blame do you want to take on yourself when it's not really yours? And that's uh, and that's a, an important perspective. Right. And we try to teach on that, and 
open their eyes before rather than having to do it after. But yeah, it's it's always I you know I refer a lot of this stuff back to a physical injury, mm -hmm. you know, in the gym because a lot of cops have trained at some stage. They've gone in the gym at some stage. I was like, how many of you have have had a fitness injury? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm trying to help you not have a mental injury. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and it's a psychological traumatic yeah. brain injury. That's yeah, why we don't see it as a disorder. No, it's not. It, because most of them have a psychological right. traumatic brain injury. And yeah. it's an injury that can heal yeah. when given the proper tools and things to do. Yeah. And it's just like a physical injury. If you actually have had that physical injury without any sort of strength training before it, it's going to take you a hell of a lot longer to actually recover from it. Sure. And so if you can actually learn some tools before Sure. You're thrown into the deep end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then, yeah. And that's what I'm all about. Like, you know, there's a lot of my stuff works with, you know, that ambience at the bottom of the cliff that I say, but I, why are we waiting for everybody to get to the bottom of the cliff? Oh, exactly. Uh, and and, that and I know is, you're completely on board is, with that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why do we wait until they're at the bottom of the cliff to go, oh, actually, here's a band aid? Right. <laughs> oh, did you know that if you took the other route, the other pathway, you <laughs> yeah. would have ended up down here, you know, and, you wouldn't, know, and you wouldn't have needed the ambulance. You would have been helping the other guys that are yep. there. <laughs> well, that's and that's where we get frustrated over the suicide prevention training here. It's intervention. We yeah. teach true prevention. Yeah. But most of it that checks the box is intervention. Why? I don't want to wait till you're suicidal to have to. I've been there. Stop. That's it's when hard to get out of that. Well, it's also when careers are lost. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so if we can get it on the front end of it, and and we can, um, but. That's a hard one. That's a hard one to sell. To get mm -hmm. people to understand. It's a hard one to sell. Like my my program, I'm working to get it into departments at the moment, uh -huh. so that they help the other officers and the newer ones, and even you know some of the departments are like, oh, this would be really good for our like you know our our new guys that are kind of just starting out. And I was like, actually, this would be good for them before they even go to academy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Build yes. a foundation for 12 weeks, 90 days creates a habit. Get it sure. the foundational and then go to academy and then start seeing the trauma. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I'm excited that you were able to come in. Like I said, I thought we were going to be doing all this over Zoom. And I'm, I'm just not a fan of it on computer it's screens. It's so much, it's stuff. so much better. I mean, I'm 45 minutes away from yeah. here and I was like, yeah, cool. I'm going. Like, I, I'm in Phoenix. I'm going. Oh, I get to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I get to ride a motorcycle as well this morning. So, any word on when you'll be back in the U.S.? No, not at the moment. Depends on kind of what happens with the different departments and that that I spoke with um, around my program. And sure. it, when that stuff kind of starts taking off, then the plan is to be here most likely six months of the year and Good. kind of different three different blocks in that. And yeah, see cool. how we go. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying Phoenix. My wife's never been to Phoenix or this area. So pick she, a heck of a time of year to bring yep. her, but okay. Oh, she's, she's been to Reading in the middle of July and okay. August. So yeah. um, right. she's used to, she likes that. And she's actually, she always says the same thing. At least it's not freaking humid. And she's like, my, <laughs> my hair in the dry. She's like, her hair is curly. She's like, my hair in the dry is great. She's uh, like, the humidity kills it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, and, I hear. And, but it'll also depend. Like, I'm, I love Phoenix. Like, it's every time I ride back here, I've been here twice on this three month trip. And I'm like, it just feels calming. There's something about Phoenix. There's a ton of people, but it just feels calming. Sure. Um, well, keep us posted on yeah. when you're going to be here. We'd love yeah. to get you in one of our either stress yeah. certifications right. or sit in on awesome. one of our trainings yeah. that we'll be doing. And uh, got what's your several. business name? My my business is my business is called Knocking Demon Limited because it's those demons in the head that were knocking around in my head that try and take over all the time. Yep. Uh, but my website's called CreateFromY.com. Okay, and we'll create get from why. Okay. .com. Like the letter? No, so W-H-Y. H-Y. Yeah. Okay. So we'll make sure that's in the body yeah. too, Joel. 
will uh, get all that posted. I also have uh, I've wrote a guidebook that's on all my tra- all my trainings. So okay. if people want to go download that, mm-hmm. uh, they're more than welcome to. It's just create from y w h y dot com forward slash book. Okay, super simple. So we'll put that in there yeah. also. I assume that's the notes you're making there, Joel. Good. Awesome. Yeah. So anytime you're here, let us know. Hello. Give us a heads up. We'll get you back in studio again and hopefully in one of our trainings also. Yeah. And um, you want to wrap us up here, Mr. Tom? This is. <laughs> let's see. Let's see if you remember these phone numbers after being on all these vacations. I'm, I'm just trying to think. Do we have anything coming up? We don't have any trainings yet. We'll start in July, I think. I, I don't know. I that's your that's, job. I think that's our our next we one. We don't have trainings, but we do have um, our event. That's yeah. true. We have a couple of events, but well, June yeah, 9th. we're we're out of. Uh, I don't know if this one will be played by then, though. What June 9th? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're about two weeks out, so yeah. So it'll yeah the mic. What's it called? Mic drop mania. Yeah. We've got a fundraiser with our guest that will be coming up. I guess this week. Yes. Um, Donnie Steinmetz is the comedian that night. So if you're in the Phoenix area or anywhere uh, can get to the Phoenix area, it's going to be here in Chandler. Yeah, that'll be a good night. a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, see, I think I'm going to stay home because I think Donnie's already got his stuff going. He's a retired officer. He's a comedian. From Phoenix. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. 35 years. Love it. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to put something out there. Yeah. The Chandler, like every time I see that, I'm like, because my last name's Chandler. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> if I move here, I might have to go live in Chandler because then it's Chandler and a Chandler. Uh, Tom lives in Chandler. Yeah. You're technically in Chandler. I'm in yeah. Gilbert. Yeah. Um, but uh, what, and then we've just got some other things that are on our Facebook page. We have the fundraiser from Sombreros is yeah. coming up and. Uh, then, like I said, training that you're just supposed to tell me where I'm supposed to be and when. Yeah, well, we have those on the calendar, but they'll be coming up. So maybe when you come back, we'll have a training yeah. semi local that, that you could come. Yeah, I know we've got cool. stuff in the fall. In. Yeah, yeah. Good. Right, in the fall. Yeah, yep. no, I'll keep you guys in the loop when I know that I'm coming back. I'll Terrific. let you guys know and be like, yeah, awesome. So, for our listeners, uh, if you know somebody that is struggling um, with the burnout or with the demons that you know, as effect of this job yeah. um, and they need some help. If they're too afraid to call on their own, you can call us for them. We can work ways to try to get in touch with them. Sure. Um, or if it's calling on for yourself, um, you okay. can call us. We have a phone number that's available 24 seven, eight, five, five, eight, eight, nine, Two, three, four, eight. Look at that. He got it. Hey, didn't I, didn't even, I didn't even look at the board. I didn't need it. Uh, but you can call us anytime, uh, 24-7. Um, hit extension one. You will get a stress coach. You just need to hang on, let it ring a few times because it's going to cycle through to the first available stress coach. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to speak with Susan directly, you can hit extension two. It'll go to her. Uh, extension three will go to David Cohen in Alabama. And extension four will come to me. Um and this is for all first responders, military, yes, and families. Families, exactly. we, you're very much in the middle of this. Police, fire, dispatch. Yes. You guys are welcome, too. Yes. <laughs> that, that family side is an important one. Uh, my, exactly. My, my wife was my punching bag for years, and honestly, yep. half the time I go, how the hell are you still with me? <laughs> exactly. They, woman. they 
have a hell of a job to do. With no training, which is why we do the eight-hour training that yes. teaches yeah. them about their part in all of this. So. Right. So families, you can reach out to us. Yes. Uh, we have stress coaches that are also family, either spouses or children. Uh, we kind of do it all here. Um, yep. you'll, you'll work with somebody from our team. Yes. Um, and we'll handle your situation. If, completely anonymous. Exactly. We don't care about names, who you work for, what agency, what you do. doesn't matter. Just mm -hmm. call us because you need help. That's yes. that's our goal is to make you mentally healthy again. And my cell number, if you want to talk to me directly, it's easier to reach me on the cell than the 855 number is 334-324-3570. Text me during the daytime because I check text faster than I do voicemail. Always call at night. And you can reach me on my cell phone number at 480-861-6574. Again, thank you to all our listeners. Thank you to all the first mm -hmm. responders and military. And special thanks out to all the family out there. Amen. Chris, thanks for coming on thanks today and being me. part yeah. of us. It's been good. Yeah. Good Riding a little moped over here. I'm going to go out and take a picture <laughs> of it yeah, in the parking lot. Right. We'll put that we'll on the Which one? You got clown shoes? Yep. <laughs> but God bless all of you. God bless your families and this great nation that we live in. Come back and see us again next week.